0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Uh, before we get into today's episode of Inside Boxing Live, we have some breaking news. Uh, bear with us here because we recorded this episode before news broke that Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, will be taking on Canelo Alvarez rematch May 5th, Cinco de Mayo weekend. Uh, The site is yet to be determined, most likely going to be in Las Vegas. We don't know for sure, but it's just to come across the wire on Twitter. HBO making announcement. Triple G Canelo is on for May 5th, 2018, and I think it's going to be an outstanding fight. It's a fight that I thought that Triple G won slightly in their first one. I think that the, the the last little few points they had to make on this deal were because there was a draw and a little bit of the negotiating power swayed a little bit the Triple G side. But you know what? Who cares? They came up with a deal, and here's Canelo's thoughts on it. The second fight is for the benefit and pleasure of all fans who desire to see the best fight the best. This time, Golovkin won't have any excuses regarding the judges because I'm coming to knock him out. Okay, I don't know any uh, excuses that Triple G had. It seems like Canelo's the one. I had all the excuses, but regardless, Triple G Canelo is happening May 5th. This is breaking news. I wanted to cut in and let you know that. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Dan Canobio Inside Boxing Live. Episode number 10 is here uh, with ESPN's Dan Raphael. We go over the Showtime schedule. Gives us an update on the Canelo Triple G negotiations. Mick Conlon stops by the show to talk about his future, uh, the Olympic experience, and his friendship with Conor McGregor. We also have a new Twitter hitters and a good hook of the week. Catch this on the OG Podcast Network, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It's how we keep the lights on. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Inside Boxing Live, episode number 10. Wow, 10 episodes gone by very quickly, talking to the biggest names in boxing. I'm your host, Dan Canobio, and we have a big one in store for you uh, today. On the program, Irish sensation Mick Conlon calls in all the way from Ireland. We'll get his thoughts on uh, his upcoming year, his Olympic uh, experience, and as well as his friendship uh, with Conor McGregor, as we know, uh, Mick Conan will step back into the ring March 17th at Madison Square Garden on St. Patrick's Day. Should be electric inside the world's most famous arena. Also joining the show today, ESPN's Dan Rayfield, who will come on with us to talk about the showtime schedule. We'll talk about what's going on with Triple G and Canelo, as well as going over the uh, World Boxing Super Series and some other news and notes in this wonderful sport of boxing. Since we talked last... We've seen uh, some action in the ring. We saw Errol Spence absolutely uh, destroy Lamont Peterson, took him out in uh, seven rounds. Uh, Errol Spence is the truth, as his nickname uh, says. He is a force in boxing. I think he's going to be the biggest name in the sport. So we saw Errol Spence uh, pick up a win. Uh, This past weekend, we saw a a day-night doubleheader. Uh, sort of say uh, Alexander Usyk on the World Boxing Super Series semifinal in the Cruiserweight division picked up a very hard fought win over Bredis. That fight was outstanding. That was some high level uh, chess playing in a ring going on there. No holding uh, no clinching. There's two guys standing in the middle using skill uh, in, getting inside and out and I have a pretty good stat here uh, for Yusick and Bredis to show you just how close it was uh, they came within three landed punches in eight of the 12 rounds. Outstanding uh, matchup day. Take a look at the at the punch stats. And the punch stats in this fight really illustrate what we saw uh, in the ring. Ustic was a little more, uh, he was more active, and he controlled the fight with his jab. He had a 91 to 46 edge, and jabs landed. The power went to brightest, which I think threw a lot of people off. I want to get Dan Rayfield's opinion on this on this uh, fight. Was it that we kind of hyped up uh, Usyk too much, or did we not give Bradis enough credit? Uh, either way, uh, both fighters come out on top in this one. Both fighter stock is up. We're going to see uh, Usyk in the finals, and uh, we'll see Gassiev and Dortikos uh, fighting this weekend uh, in the uh, other cruiserweight semifinal bracket. So a lot going on in the world of boxing. Uh, this past weekend on Saturday night HBO put on a uh, uh, it wasn't the greatest card on HBO but we, we saw um, Linares win, we saw Matisse win both A-sides move on uh, as for Linares he showed pockets of brilliance he showed why he's regarded as uh, one of the better uh, 135 pounders he uh, put together some good combinations but you know he had a guy in there in Hesta who, who's never fought in the US before, he was game I mean, he's he's uh, promoted by uh, Freddie Roach. He had the look, but Linares—it uh, was a, it was a glorified sparring session—and uh, Linares got the win. He moves on. Maybe he fights Lomachenko. I have to ask Dan Raphael, uh, Raphael, his thoughts on that one. Lucas Matisse, in one of the most bizarre fights I've seen in a very long time came out boxing like he was in like he was in uh, uh, quicksand. He had no uh, no snap on any of his punches. Uh, he's fighting a guy in Karam who had the lower half of a of a horse. <laughs> the dude had the biggest legs I've ever seen in my life. He had like Anthony Joshua's legs on a 147 pounds upper half. And uh, I didn't help him because he couldn't kick uh, Matisse. He just came out and just jabbed him to death. Jab, jab, jab. Like all he did was jab. And he was honestly, some judges had him winning the fight or had him ahead when he got knocked out by a jab and it was the most bizarre knockout. Because it came like four seconds after you got hit by the jab. He went out like he'd just been shot. It was bizarre. But uh, Matisse wins. Linares wins. We'll see what's next for them with, uh, with Dan Rayfield uh, when he comes on the show. But I do want to start off the program with the biggest story that we saw over the past uh, couple weeks in boxing. That's Showtime Boxing, man. They are kicking butt. And uh, they uh, pulled out all the stops this past week in Manhattan when they put together this unprecedented event uh, that was called a boxing upfront, and if you don't know what an upfront is, a lot of networks do this, like NBC, CBS. At the beginning of their season, usually in the fall, they set up this extravagant event where all the superstars come, all the uh, and they they dish out what's going to be coming up this season. You know, for CBS, it would be here's Kevin Can Wait or some or whatever's on CBS these days. But they did it with boxing at uh, Cipriani's on 42nd. I went to the event. I uh, picked up some sound from it. And there I am uh for the those of you watching on Pluto TV I, I put on my best suit and I brought my microphone and I talked to all the fighters all the Showtime fighters deontay Wilder Keith Thurman we'll hear from them in a little bit it was a great event I mean uh no one really knew what to expect uh when we were waiting online to get in we knew that it was a uh, going to unveil a schedule of fights that we kind of knew that were on the that were on the docket, but it was nice to see where they're going to land and, and what dates. And the best part is that all the fighters were there. I mean, hats off to Showtime for putting this all together. They got 20 of the uh, 20 fighters to get in one room and do something in unison. It was very well planned out. You had Jimmy Lennon there uh, doing the uh, ring announcement. You had Charlemagne the God, who was the uh, who was the the MC. He was good. Um, and you had uh, who's now elevated to president, uh, Stephen Espinosa. Congrats to him. He got up on stage and he put together like a pinpoint, uh, a PowerPoint presentation that had all these graphs and these in these um, pie charts to pretty much illustrate why boxing is on the rise, why more young kids are watching it, why it's popular, uh, basically why we are investing so much money into boxing. And you know we're all happy that he, uh, he's investing. But then came the fighters. They all came out on stage. You had Errol Spence walk up out on stage. You had Mikey Garcia, then Sergey Lipinets, and they would face off. You had Wilder and Ortiz looking each other in the eyes. That was the coolest part is they had all the music going, and each fighter would stare each other in the eyes to to Jimmy Lennon announcing it. And it had, like like, a great vibe in the building. People were, you know, all dressed up. You had all sorts of media there. You had TMZ there. You had ESPN. You had Barstool Sports, who was situated right next to us in our location on the step-in repeat and they had some guy from barstool caleb presley <laughs> this dude didn't know a thing about boxing and it was actually kind of funny he was going up to boxers asking them the most asinine questions he goes up to deontay wilder and he says to him what do you do <laughs> and deontay wilder looked like he was going to take his head off and he immediately stopped the interview and, and they were next to us but it just showed me that that boxing is back and it's in the mainstream If uh, you know barstool showing up you know tmz Got some 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 quotes there, but as for the actual event itself, I mean, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, they unveiled the schedule. Uh, Nick, I'm gonna throw it up the schedule on the on the board. It was it was a lot of fights that we knew about, and a lot of fights that were rumored, but now they become official. February 17th kicks off with Danny Garcia versus uh, Brandon Rios. That fight was actually announced a few weeks back formally, but they were also in attendance. You know, one of the biggest fights that I'm looking forward to is March 3rd. Brooklyn, Barclays Center, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, the heavyweights, they do not like each other. Uh, Believe me, I talked to both of them at this uh, Showtime event. They pretty much hate each other. Uh, Yeah, moving forward there, uh, we got uh, Mikey Garcia taking on uh, Lipinets. That fight was moved back to March 10th. Another 50 50 fight that I love. Arizlandi Lara, Jared Hurd, 154 pound unification bout. That's April 7th. Uh, site to be determined. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up in the D.C., Baltimore area where Jared Hurd is from. Adrian Broner. He'll be fighting April 21st against Omar Figueroa in another 50 50 fight. And one more that I really like that was announced. May 19th in uh, somewhere in Canada. It's going to be in Montreal or it's going to be in Quebec. Donna Stevenson finally going up against a game opponent in Badu Jack. That fight is is going to be awesome, and that's a doubleheader. Uh, Keith Thurman makes his return on uh, May nineteenth, and Keith Thurman made some uh, Keith Thurman made some some headlines here at the Showtime event. And uh, you know, I talked to him, and a lot of other uh, reporters talked to him, and uh, he's pretty much said uh, he was getting asked about Errol Spence nonstop. You know, I, I didn't ask him about Earl Spence right off the bat. I asked him how his elbow was doing before we got to the money question. But he went on to say that I'm not fighting Earl Spence in 2018. Leave me alone, pretty much. Like, I'm, I'm not fighting him. That's he told the truth. It was, Although I do not agree with him not fighting Spence in 2018, kind of have to respect the, the truthfulness. At least he kind of put it to bed, and we can focus on some other fights that can be made. But uh, Keith Thurman Uh, making headlines as he always does. And and also one more fight that I like there is June 9th, uh, Leo Santa Cruz versus Abner Maris. But all in all, wonderful uh, event put on by Showtime. Uh, Props to everyone there behind the scenes. I know how hard they work. Uh, Chris de Blasio and uh, his whole staff and the, the PR department, all the way down to everyone at Showtime. That wasn't easy. That was not easy putting together that event, especially coming off of a fight there had a fight at the barclays on uh, the previous saturday so they went from a fight night the barclays right to uh putting together this unprecedented event so hats off to showtime and everyone there but we do have a great show for you folks um we have dan Raphael. we have mick Conlon. We have our brand new edition of Twitter Hitters. We have, in case you missed it, catching you up to speed. A lot of news and notes. A lot of fights being made. A lot of rumors out there. And, of course, our good hook of the week. You don't want to miss that one. If you are not watching us on Pluto TV, you can check us out on our podcast take us on the og podcast network very excited to announce our partnership with the og podcast network you can go check them out online they have some uh, a great website where you can listen to our uh, show also you can catch us on itunes you can catch us on spotify you can catch us everywhere you get your podcast don't forget to subscribe to inside boxing live rate us Leave us a review. A positive review would be nice. So we can keep the lights on here. We can keep doing what we do. But we did put together something for you, the fans at home. Uh, like I said, I was at the Showtime event. Uh, we brought our cameras. We talked to all the fighters. We talked to Steven Espinosa. We got a, a general feel for the event, and we put together a, a, a little video here. for few the fans enjoy it now.
2: Talk a little bit about Showtime and their commitment to boxing because obviously it's a full-fledged commitment. So the, uh,
3: the research that we do internally has consistently told us, including most recently, that usually as much as 50% of our subscribers say that it's either somewhat important or very important for us to have boxing on the network. For that reason, that's why our commitment to boxing is as strong as ever.
2: What's the latest on a fight between Keith Thurman and Errol Spence? Well, we have to see what's gonna happen. My first fight stepping back in the ring is a welcome back fight after surgery. Um, before my surgery, I fought Danny Garcia, I fought Sean Porter.
3: I took out two top walterweights in the walterweight division. Man, I
0: can't wait to fight Luis Ortiz.
2: He's a cheat. he's a second offense chief as that. I bless him with an opportunity again, and he still got a problem. Omar, you're an all action fighter. We at CompuBox have you track thrown over 100 punches per round. Is that the type of style you're going to bring to uh, Adrian Broner come fight night? Yeah, I believe that's that's the most effective style against against his style of fighting. So, I, I mean, I just got to fight my fight. What could fans expect on fight night with uh, Luis Santa Cruz? I mean, all I got to tell people is go back and look at that fight. Go back and look at that replay. It's just excitement from round one to round okay. 12. And I, I expect the same thing, you know. Yes, we're going to change a few things on both sides. Um, try to adjust on certain uh, imperfections, but at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to, to a, a bra. King Kong, Luis Ortiz squaring off with Deontay Wilder. March 3rd, the Barclays Center, and Luis, you got to stare into the eyes of uh, Deontay Wilder. You know, what was it like to get up there and look him in the eyes, and what can we expect on fight night? I'm anxious, and I also have rage, because I know this is going to be my great opportunity to get the world title. How's the married life treating you? Have you picked up any more languages? You know, um, skoshi you know, a uh, little, little bit, Japanese. Hey, I know, I know, uh, uh, Migi, Migi, I was at a boxing match, Migi means right, so I was telling the fighter to throw the right hand, I was shouting out in the middle of the crowd, everyone thought it was funny watching the champion tell the Japanese fighter to throw the right hand. Now, do you think you took this fight, obviously it's a very tough fight and it brings a lot of eyeballs to it, but it also bangs the drum for a fight with... Anthony Joshua. Is that another reason why he took this fight? And what can you say to Anthony Joshua? Uh,
0: of course, you know I'm, I'm taking Anthony. I'm taking Anthony Joshua uh, trash out. I'm gonna be the best garbage man he ever seen. And then after that, it's me and him.
2: What do you think of Adrian Broner? Uh, all his theatrics, and uh, I know that he's he's well documented on TMZ and all that. What do you think of him as uh, as outside of the ring?
3: <laughs>
2: I'd rather not say. Yeah. You know, he's very, uh, he comes out and he says calls you a drug cheat or a cheat. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that when he says something like that to you? He's nervous. He's nervous. He knows that for this fight he's going to have to have a lot of energy uh, for this fight against me and uh, he knows it's a tough fight. What can you say about the event that Showtime's putting on and what their schedule is for 2018? Boxing is here to stay. Boxing is alive. This is boxing.
1: Our first guest here on Inside Boxing Live is the ultimate fight freak. You can find him ringside around the world, and you can find his work on ESPN.com. He's the one and only Dan Rayfield. Dan, before we get this interview started, the most important question I have for you, the water pressure this morning in your home.
3: My home's water pressure is not the best, I have to be honest with you. Wow. I I, I need to get a plumber. I need one of those, like, supersonic jets, but uh, we're working on it.
1: Like the one that Kramer had in that episode of Seinfeld
3: exactly that's exactly what I have in mind
1: <laughs> okay um, back to boxing the well, what we saw this this past week uh, was this big Showtime unveiling the upfront in uh, Manhattan it was a great event uh, I was there present and uh, it was uh, very impressive uh, before we get into the the slate of fights that were announced I want to talk about the actual the actual event the logistics of it all have you ever seen anything like that in uh, in the world of boxing
3: no it's never happened as far as I can tell that they've had a single network put out basically its entire first half of the year schedule of their of their top series showtime championship boxing you know i haven't seen that happen you might get the announcement of a couple of fights here and there perhaps a you know a single card a pay-per-view or something like that uh, a promoter or the or the provider might announce you know the undercard fights all at once that sort of thing but to have Six months worth of events announced, uh, and have most of the boxers present at the event to have what I thought was pretty much the ultimate photo opportunity. Was pretty darn impressive. Uh, you know, I I know that the logistics were not easy, but to get all those people uh, on the same schedule in the same building, and and do so, um, you know, in the same place on on a very rushed schedule today was very impressive. And, and, and also, um, even though I think most boxing hardcore fans, we pretty much knew most of those bouts that were announced. Nothing came as a total surprise. But what we did know was a lot of the specifics in terms of the venues for these events, uh, the exact date for some of these events. So, you know, to have it all laid out the way it was done with the, with the show, showbiz element of it, of the way that they produced it, uh, with the ring wall, you know, the guys walking to the stage and music and Jimmy Lennon doing uh, the MC duties uh, and Steven Espinoza's PowerPoint production beforehand. <laughs> where he sort of outlined why boxing uh, is actually popular and not just for old people, like a lot of people think, was very well done. The, and as a fan and as a reporter on the sport, I, I definitely appreciate
1: it. Yeah, being in the building, it was it was super impressive, uh, like all the things you touched on. Getting all the fighters there, first of all. A lot of them are in training camps. Getting to do a rehearsal. We talked to one of the Showtime, uh, the people behind the scenes who put on the event She's like, We did a rehearsal with, with twenty five fighters and they all were involved, they're all they were all uh engaged with it and it was it was a great event and uh, but if you go to espn.com/boxing you'll see uh, your the article that you wrote about the event and the the slate of fights and uh, you gave your grades for each fight you're you're very fair with a lot of the fights if you take a look at the the Showtime schedule which of those uh, I think there were 10 fights announced which f- of those are you uh, most looking forward to Dan
3: I think my my favorite fight that I'm most interested in in seeing uh, is one that is not a surprise, that was not a surprise And on the day that they had the upfront and announced everything, was the heavyweight fight between uh, Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz, which is on March 3rd at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it's one of the best fights that can be made in, in the weight class. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue to it. You know, I don't know who wins the fight like I do with so many other bouts that get made. Uh, they're both undefeated. They're both big punchers. Uh, it's for very high stakes. There's no particular love loss between these guys, particularly because of what happened uh, in uh, the late part of last year when they were supposed to fight in November, and you know, uh, Luis Ortiz had a positive drug test and the fight was canceled. They uh, ultimately got it back together. Uh, Ortiz was given a little bit of a, a get-out-of-jail-free card sort of, when they uh, believed his story that the positive test was caused because of medication he was taking to control uh, high blood pressure. So there's a lot of interest in that fight on my part. I've heard it from a lot of boxing fans. Uh, It's a a very significant fight, and, you know, certainly if Wilder is the winner uh, and Anthony Joshua wins his upcoming fight, they may fight each other at the end of the year. And by the way, that fight between Joshua and Parker is probably going to wind up on Showtime in the United States. That was a fight that wasn't even announced at the upfront because they don't have a deal yet. So in, in, in addition to all the impressive fights and the schedule that they outlined, that fight may added, be added to the schedule on top of other undercard fights that have not yet been announced.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, you talk about Wilder and Ortiz. That's one of the fights that I'm most definitely looking forward to. And Deontay Wilder, I mean, the guy is one of the best interviews in boxing. He was on his A game. Uh, they had a little, uh, on the step and repeat. Uh, I got to talk to him for a little bit. He's just super intense right now, and he has one thing in mind, and that's obviously Luis Ortiz, but Anthony Joshua. I mean, he when you bring up the, the name Anthony Joshua. Uh, uh, Deontay Wilder just goes off.
3: Deontay Wilder's goal from the first day he put on gloves as a professional boxer was to unify the heavyweight titles. And I will give you a story from years ago. Deontay Wilder was making his professional debut in Nashville, Tennessee on the undercard of the fight between Jermaine Taylor and Jeff Lacey. So that should take back a number of years. I covered that fight. I met Deontay Wilder a few days before that fight in the hotel lobby. He was there with his trainer, Mark Breland, and and J.D.'s, and uh, his his manager, uh, Shelly Finkel, who was very involved in his career at the time, still involved to a certain degree. Um, And and when we spoke, and uh, he talked about wanting to become the undisputed heavyweight champion unified title belt. Obviously, uh, the dream of a lot of young fighters coming to the pro game is to do that at some point. But all these years later, Deontay has won a world title. He's on the cost of getting the unification fight that he wants. And, uh, obviously he's been asking for Anthony Joshua or for a unification fight of any kind for the last few years. And, uh, now he's, you know, it's certainly right there in the, in the near future. It's not a long term plan. He's got to get past Ortiz, but uh, that's what he wants. And as you said, Wilder is a fantastic interview. He's very intense, very charismatic and very fan friendly bites in a fan friendly style. And, uh... You know, hopefully uh, we get to see the fights that we want to see. We're nope. keeping uh, have something to say about it.
1: Yeah, Hopefully we do see uh, Wilder take on Joshua later on in the year. You bring up the unification. Another unification battle we'll, we'll be seeing on Showtime is April 7th. Uh, the site hasn't been determined yet, but that's Arizendi lara versus Jarrett Hurd. I know you enjoy uh, Jarrett Hurd's style, and I think that's going to be a fight that's going to surprise some folks, too.
3: I certainly hope so. I mean, I've been a big critic of the Arislandi lara style, but because of the the... The aggressiveness that that Jared Hurd presents, the, the kind of punching power he has, the kind of just just go in there and rumble if you can, but also not be stupid about it because he can also smart, you know, box in a smart manner. Also, my hope is that Hurd will be able to bring out the best in Manilar, who's a talented fighter, but just doesn't really ever want to press the action too much, uh, and you know gets awfully defensive at times. But if Hurd's all over him, Hurd's a little bit bigger than him. Hopefully, he can bring out the dog in Arizona Lara, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And they can put on a fight that that fans can be proud to watch.
1: Yeah, the, the one fight I think back to was Arizona Lara and Angulo. And if a fan if, uh, heard can bring the fight to Lara like Angulo did, we'll be in store uh, for a good one. But uh, rounding out this Showtime uh, schedule, Keith Thurman, Errol Spence will not be fighting next. They'll be fighting uh, separate bouts, uh, Thurman in May. Errol Spence, in June. Do you think uh, Spence Thurman gets made for for 2018, or do, should we trust the word of, of uh, Thurman, who said it's not going to happen in 2018?
3: Keith Thurman's his own man. <laughs> Keith Thurman is uh, not one uh, that's um, not serious about what he says. And uh, I, I think I, unless they overwhelm him with some kind of offer uh, or something crazy happens, I, I kind of believe Keith Thurman that when he says, I'm here in 2018 to get back on track after major surgery on his elbow, uh, take the fight in, in May, on May 19th, and then probably have one more fight at the end of the year if he can stay healthy then hopefully we'll see the Errol Spence fight at the early part of the following year. Uh, I'm hopeful that he changes his mind and that, you know, maybe there'll be a reason or or the money will be there for them to be able to make a fight interesting enough for someone to take it now. I know Errol Spence wants it. He would do it in his next fight if he could, but that's not on the, on the, on the schedule. And so therefore he will go home to, uh, to Dallas. He'll make his, probably make his mandatory defense. They didn't announce the opponent for that particular fight, but uh, the IBF has already determined and been uh that the same week that they did the upfront, they already announced that uh that his mandatory would be to be ordered between him and Carlos Ocampo so I'm assuming that Carlos Ocampo will be his opponent and uh he'll have his homecoming but I don't think they're fighting this year
1: yeah I tend to to agree with you that Keith Thurman uh he he doesn't hide and uh, I mean well it's not true but he doesn't he when he says something he means it and, and uh I certainly believe that he might may not see that fight in 2018. But it was refreshing, though, to hear him say, you know what, we're not going to fight in 2018. I mean, we get on these guys for lying and, and ducking. He just said, you know what, it's not going to happen. And it kind of shocked a I, lot of people.
3: I can kind of respect that because, like you said, I'd rather hear him say, listen, it's not <laughs> happening. Leave me alone. So at least if, if you're not going to do the fight we want to see, it's better to be honest about it than, like you said, than to lie about it and yeah. say, oh, yeah, no, give lip service and then end up figuring a way not to do it. But listen, the, the fact is uh, – just because they're not fighting, and I, listen, I want to see that fight as much as anybody, but just because they're not fighting each other doesn't mean the other matches that they each take are going to be, you know, some kind of terrible fight. I mean, I'm going to give Spence uh, the pass on this one for the sake that he has a mandatory to do. That's the rules of boxing. You want to keep your belt like it or not, um, and it's not like he's been fighting easy guys. He's had two fights in a row against elite fighters in the weight class, whether it was Lamont Peterson that he had... A- a fight against a couple of weeks ago, or the fight that he had when he won the title against Kell Brook. So it's not like he's looking at duck guys. And Thurman, he is coming off of a legitimate injury uh, and, a, and a surgery, and his fight that where he had the uh, you know the injury exacerbated was when he unified the title against Danny Garcia, in a fight that everybody wanted to see last year that we waited for that we finally saw. So hopefully it will work out. You know, I have a little bit more patience I think than some people because I'm used to this. I've covered boxing a long time. I've seen this sort of thing play out a lot of times. Um, And in the meantime, there's plenty of other good fights on the calendar, uh, particularly on the Showtime calendar. We even talk about, like, Badu Jack's challenge against Adonis Stevenson or the rematch between Leo Santa Cruz and Avner Mars, and there's a lot of good matches on the Showtime
1: calendar. Yeah, you're right. Great matchups. And uh, you can take a look at uh, Dan's article on ESPN.com slash boxing to see his grades on all of those. Did you see Errol Spence? Uh, He was interviewed, and they asked him uh, what his favorite boxing movie was, and he said that the Rocky movies kind of sucked.
3: I'm going to have to have a little talk with my friend, Errol Spence,
1: about that. <laughs> I mean, he said they're not realistic, but like, everyone knows they're not realistic. I mean, Rocky got hit with, they're, you know, like 200 they Hollywood punches.
3: movies. What do you expect? Uh, you know, I mean, they are highly entertaining.
1: I mean, yeah, and Showtime has been playing, the, they, they've been playing the hell out of those movies lately, have you noticed? It's every time you put on Showtime, one of the Rockies is on. I'm not complaining, but uh, it's certainly <laughs> been great. Uh, I do want to talk to you about the uh, World Boxing Super Series. It kicked off or restarted here in uh 2018 on Saturday when we saw a great fight. Alexander Usyk uh, defeated Maris Bredis. Uh, in that fight, people are talking about Usyk. Did he not look as good, or was it that Bredis, you know, outperformed or performed better than a lot of people gave him credit for?
3: Uh, and perhaps a little bit of both. I mean, uh, Usyk is a terrific fighter. And, uh, you know, Bredis may be a little bit underrated, Um, They were both undefeated going in. They both were confident with their, you know, they had titles. They were fighting on greatest home turf. You know, one thing I give Usyk a tremendous amount of credit for, besides just the fact that he's been, you know, an outstanding fighter, both as a professional and also as an amateur. He's an Olympic gold medalist from 2012. He won the heavyweight gold medal, uh, not the super heavyweight gold medal, which is essentially he won the heavyweight gold medal, essentially the cruiserweight gold medal. But, uh, you know, he's been fighting. And he's a he's a draw in his home country of Ukraine. It's not like he can't go there and fight. But when he won his world title, he did it on the road in Poland. He had his first title defenses in the United States. He fought his first fight of the of the World Boxing Super Series on the road in Marco hook's hometown in Berlin. And then he went to Latvia and defeated Myers Bradis to unify the title. So this guy has been a road warrior, and uh, I thought he did a tremendous job. Bradis fought a darn good fight. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like Usyk was just a little bit better, a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger, a little bit more accurate with his punches, um, a little bit sharper with his punches, and 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 it was a very well-judged fight. You know, we all rip the judges all the time. We need to give the judges credit for that particular uh, scoring. It was Robin Taylor, Robert Tapper, and uh, Craig Metcalf, two two, that had it 115-113, one that had it 114-114, which is... Plausible, uh, but I thought Usyk definitely did enough to win the fight. It was a it was a great fight, and maybe after the tournament, you know, someday there'll be a rematch. Although I assume that if Usyk uh, win or lose in the tournament, he's going to go up to heavyweight. He's told me uh, at least on two or three occasions, and I've read it elsewhere, that he has uh, the goal to unify the cruiserweight division and then do what so many of the other top cruiserweights boxing history have done which is to move up and seek uh, a chance to win a for win a heavyweight title
1: I like this Usyk guy I mean he's he's got a lot going for him like he says a huge draw in the Ukraine he might he's I think he's more popular than Lomachenko in the Ukraine and uh he's he has that one great quote they ask how are you feeling and he says I am feel so I think that a lot of the uh, the, the fans are, are identifying with him and obviously has a very good uh fan friendly style outstanding fight uh that we saw there but Unfortunately, a lot of, of this World Boxing Super Series, we've seen some great fights. We've seen you know, in the, super, in the uh, Cruiserweight division and also in the other division. But the thing with what the fans want to know is how come we can't get it on a network? What's your estimation on why we haven't seen the World Boxing Super Series on a major network here in the States?
3: Remember, when it was first announced, uh, there was the assumption at the time that Showtime was going to wind up picking up both tournaments. And in fact, uh, Showtime personnel attended the press conference in New York when they announced the, uh, you know, when they came here and announced the whole, uh, the two tournaments, both in the cruiserweight division and the super middleweight division. Um, or I, I should say, I don't think they announced the divisions at the time or the box of They were just announcing the events that were going to happen, that they were doing this. And there was a lot of support from Showtime. And uh, as the month went on, uh, they had what they thought was a deal in principle, you know, uh, to do the fight on Showtime. For whatever reason, the Showtime became cold to it. They ended up not doing it. Other networks weren't so interested in it, and so what happened was the the, the first couple of quarterfinal matches just wound up being streamed on the World Boxing Super Series website, um, which wasn't particularly <laughs> terrific. And then the next batch of quarterfinal matches, we couldn't even get the legal stream on their website because they did a deal with Audience Network, which is on DirecTV only, so therefore they had the American rights so they couldn't open it up to the whole country on uh, on their website so you know audience network is not in that many homes a lot of people don't know about it don't really watch it so that was kind of a dud and uh you know in my own reporting about this thing there have been other networks interested and from what i am told in the world boxing super series people will dispute this and i've had my own uh you know, personal arguments about it with uh, cali starlin who was their chief boxing officer uh that they've had offers, and and for different reasons, they have not worked out. Either they were slow with the paperwork or they would ignore the paperwork for, like, literally 10 days, two weeks at a time, and it was too late the next event on one of those channels, or they thought they had a deal and they went back and asked for concessions that were absolutely ridiculous, and so therefore it didn't happen. Um, Hopefully they'll still get something done in time for uh, Saturdays, matchup between Dordikos and Gassiev that takes place in Sochi, Russia, the other cruiserweight semifinal, to be somewhere on a, on a, on a live platform in the United States. Yeah, they
1: got to do that. I mean, there's such demand for it. I mean, you know, people are, you go on Twitter and they're like, "Where I'd, I'd pay to see this Usyk fight and these fights are only going to get better, so hopefully we see uh, a network step up here and uh, they figure this out so us uh, fight fans can see uh, some of these great fights. HBO, uh, Saturday night, uh, not the best card HBO put on, but the A-sides won. Linares wins, Matisse wins. I want to talk about what happened to Karam there. I mean, people are saying he took a dive. I don't. I don't think so. He was sniffing something in between rounds. I mean, that made it more interesting than what we saw in the ring. But Matisse wins. What can we see next for Matisse? And what have you heard happen to Karam there?
3: Well, first of all, people that say that the guy took a dive are just not in reality. If you take a dive, you don't end up literally looking like you were in a car wreck, being taken out of the arena. in a a stretcher into the the ambulance, into the hospital. And I actually saw somebody had put up footage of him being loaded into the ambulance with Oscar De La Hoya there, you know, uh, showing his concerns, you know, the promoter of the show, and taking the guy to the hospital. So I I don't have any doubt that that Karam, uh, you know, really knocked out. I mean, even though it maybe looked a little sketchy on on TV, it certainly wasn't in my opinion. Uh, But it's funny, you know, you juxtapose the, the HBO doubleheader that we're talking about with two awful fights, relatively speaking. Compared to the great fight between Usyk and Breda, one we saw on a main HBO channel, the other one we had a struggle to find a stream for uh, on the Internet. It's just, it's it's incredible to me that that the Cruiserweight unification was so downplayed in this country, but the HBO card um, was their way to kick off 2018. Uh, As I tweeted on Saturday night, not a good start to the year. That was a terrible doubleheader. I thought it was a terrible doubleheader on paper. It was pretty bad in reality. The Linares fight against has uh, against to wasn't a terrible fight or anything like that, but it was there was nothing dramatic about it. There was nothing too exciting. You could tell after about three rounds that it was just going to continue to go the same way, which is that Linares was just a better, more dominant fighter. And the main event was just a terrible matchup. Uh, as far as what Matisse does next, you know, if I'm Golden Boy promotion, I get the guy the biggest fight I can for the biggest money I can because to me he looks like a, a fighter that uh, definitely passed his best. He was moving up in weight. Uh, only a second fight at welterweight not fighting a a particularly good fighter and he didn't look very good so uh, he's 35 years old i don't know how much more time lucas matisse has go get him the biggest fight you can get if they can actually do a deal and get together, you know what, Manny Pacquiao's looking for an opponent, I'd watch Manny Pacquiao against Lucas Matisse, that'd be a heck of a fight.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, I totally agree, it just comes down to the politics, can, you know, can Aram and De La Hoya come together to make that fight? Uh, Linares, before we let you go, Linares, uh, like you said, he looked decent, I mean, he had some great combinations, he showed flashes of what makes him uh, a, a great fighter, en uh, route uh, to a win, what's next for Linares, another older fighter, who wants the, the biggest names in, in his division?
3: He's in a similar situation. I mean, he's obviously a little fresher than Matisse is. He's only 32 years old, but he's had a long career. He's been fighting since he was basically a teenager. Um, you know, I don't think he's a great fighter, like you say. I think he's a really good fighter. I think he's gotten a little bit too much hype over the years. He, you know, he's got the talent, but it's never really been, to my opinion, at the pound-for-pound level. But that doesn't mean he's not somebody that you want to watch. There's two big fights for him that are out there. One is against Mikey Garcia. Uh, should Mikey come through the, the junior welterweight title fight he has against Flippinettes coming up in February. And the other one is Lomachenko, who's going to be moving up to the lightweight division uh, sooner than later anyway. So I think that one of those fights, there's a good chance it will get done, even with politics that get in the way. Uh, if you ask me who I think it will be, I'm not so sure Mikey Garcia is coming back to 135 pounds, and I'm not so sure that a deal can get done. Between those sides, even though they claim that they make one between Golden Boy and Garcia. I think the more realistic fight, for a lot of different reasons, is Lomachenko going up to 135 and challenging for Sports title sometime, you know, spring, early summer.
1: I'll take that. I'll, I think any boxing fan would take that. One last one before we let you go. What is going on with Triple G and Canelo? What's the latest?
3: Well, nothing. It's really been status quo. I mean, I've spoken on a regular basis to both sides. You know, I've been driving them crazy, to tell you the truth. Uh, and, and both of them have said the same thing. Both, I'm, I'm talking about Eric Gomez, the president of Golden Boy Promotions, versus the Canelo Alvarez promoter. Tom Loeffler, who is the promoter for Gennady Golovkin, that they are uh, moving towards a the deal. They have every intention of having this fight be done in time to take place on May 5th. Um, no site yet. They'll worry about that after they make the deal. Uh, but they're, they're, they're slogging through a couple of small details. See, what happened in this situation was the fight that they had in the fall was a draw. So had Canelo just lost the fight right. the way he probably should have because but the judges got it wrong, then he could have exercised his rematch clause which which would already have the term spelled out. But once it was a draw, they had to sort of start from scratch on a variety of different issues, and uh, it's taking some time. Uh, you know, the holidays got in, in in the way a little bit. Triple G went back to Kazakhstan for a while. That got in the way a little bit. But they're, they're slogging through it, and, uh, you know, I have no reason to believe that in the next, uh, you know, short order, a few days, maybe a week or so, that we'll have a fight.
1: Was that fight going to end up in Vegas, or can we get where we really want and see it in the stadium?
3: I mean, they've said steadfastly that – that they will address the location of the fight after they make a deal. Uh, But you have to think that Vegas for a whole variety of reasons is probably the favorite. Look, when they did the fight in September, the the gate from the ticket sales was almost, was almost $28 million, Hmm. the third highest in the history of the sport. So I have no reason to think they can't generate a similar kind of gate from a rematch. I don't know. And even though there's great other venues in this country from a, dollar point of view i don't think there's any place else they can generate that kind of money so to me it seems like a logical place that they're going to wind up back at the t-mobile arena
1: all right we got a lot of fights to look forward to in 2018 dan rayfield great stuff as always and uh, you know we'll see you ringside very soon my man
3: all right appreciate it thanks for having me on today
1: there he is the one and only espn's dan rayfield just a smorgasbord of, of information. He's he's one of the best in the business, and uh, we got right down to it. Uh, looking forward to the showtime. Looking forward to the showtime schedule, some great fights. Wilder, Ortiz really uh, gets him going. And uh, most importantly, water pressure in his house is, isn't good. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway I took from that interview. I mean, you kidding? Like, get get on that, Dan. But, uh, you know, hopefully we do see a, uh, a deal for the World Boxing Super Series getting on on a network or at least a better stream or or something and you know we appreciate dan uh you know calling them and and, uh, putting the pressure on them because that's what a good reporter does and uh you know triple g canelo you get the update from him he does think it's gonna happen does think it's gonna end up in vegas so uh, all in all great interview with uh, dan Rayfield. we appreciate him coming on inside boxing live there's a lot going on in the world of boxing today. It's very hard to keep up with the schedule, the rumors, who's fighting who. Uh, Twitter is a great way uh, to keep track of all that. But here at Inside Boxing Live, we put together a segment that we call In Case You Missed It. And we start off with the welterweight division. Uh, Keith Thurman at the uh, Showtime event that uh, I attended uh, last week at Cipriani's on 42nd. Uh, Keith Thurman says, No Spence fight in 2018. Flat out said it. I mean, you got to respect it in a way. Obviously, I want to see a fight between Keith Thurman and Errol Spence, but he said, leave me alone. I'm not fighting Errol Spence in 2018. I had an elbow injury. You'll see it in 2019. And uh, that kind of put it, put it to rest. I mean, he's still going to get asked about it everywhere he goes. It was like the second question that I asked him uh, after how was his elbow doing. So he's not going to escape uh, Errol Spence. The fans are, are getting on him. It's reaching the level of uh, Danny Garcia. If you go to Danny Garcia's Instagram, every time he posts something, fans just litter his comments with cherries because they call him the cherry picker. I think that Keith Thurman is is approaching that even though I don't think it's fair because he he has fought some some great champions but uh, uh, Keith Thurman says uh, no, I will not be fighting Errol Spence in 2018. We most likely will see Keith Thurman uh, come back in May 18th. We don't know who in May 2018, we don't know who's fighting but I think that Keith Thurman's going to fight uh, Sean Porter uh, in the second half of uh, 2018. Moving on, in case you missed it, a fight that we know is happening is B.J. Saunders, uh, a fan favorite, uh, a fan, a friend of the show here. He's fighting Martin Murray, uh, uh, April 14th, Uh, somewhat of a stay-busy fight. Uh, Martin Murray is uh, a guy that's uh, been a contender in the middleweight division for a very long time, has fought uh, some of the best uh, middleweights. So it'll be a a chance to see the brilliance of uh, B.J. Saunders, a fighter that I think he's going to make big waves in uh, 2018 and for Saunders he didn't really have an opponent you know he's waiting as we all are waiting for Triple G and Canelo to get hashed out and he's most likely going to get the winner of Triple G Canelo so uh, BJ Saunders fights in April and then uh, uh, Triple G and Canelo hopefully fight in May maybe the winner of that fight uh, can fight uh, BJ Saunders in the second half of uh, 2018 moving forward here in case you missed it 70,000 tickets sold For uh, Joshua Parker, wow. And they sold him in like 24 hours. Uh, The fight's going to go down at Principality Stadium. It's the same stadium that we saw Anthony Joshua take on Carlos Tacom. Set an indoor record. Over 70,000 came up to that fight. Uh, This fight's even bigger than the Tacom fight because there's uh, multiple titles on the line. Um, You know, Joshua, this, Joshua's the face of boxing. Whether you like it or not, I think he supplanted Canelo. I think he's uh, a little more charismatic than Canelo. He wants to fight the best. And, I mean, the numbers don't lie. 70,000 fans uh, at this fight, 90,000 for the the, Cl- the Klitschko fight. Anthony Joshua is our face of boxing, and uh, honestly, I love it. Uh, here we go, moving forward. Uh, Crawford, Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn, set, or not set, is rumored. I want it to be set, but it's rumored uh, for Madison Square Garden, April 14th. Originally, this fight was supposed to go down in Las Vegas, but uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the NHL team, is... Uh, in first place an expansion team that's killing it Uh, so they didn't uh anticipate the golden knights being in the playoffs and so there was a a hold on april 21st at their the t-mobile arena for the hockey playoffs so bob Aram uh quickly pivots as he always does and he sets uh msg for the most likely uh venue uh for cron uh crawford horn um i think it will be a better crowd than vegas i'm a little biased being from new york i think um it's going to be livelier. Crawford has fought uh, in New York City a couple times. They fought at the Garden in the in the big room. And the, what it comes down to is Jeff Horn. Is all the Australians going to travel? All the Australians going to travel to New York to for Jeff Horn the biggest fight of uh, stateside fight because the Pacquiao fight was uh, a pretty big. But Cro, uh, Crawford Horn is rumored for Madison Square Garden on April 14th. Another news and notes: the Contender series is coming back to Epics actually pumped for this uh 12 episode season with full fights this time they're not gonna just show highlights apparently they're gonna be showing full fl- uh fights it's gonna be a little bit like what you see at the ufc uh, uh, when they put on their um the ultimate fighter but uh mark burnett still involved of course mark burnett is the uh reality king he uh, started the survivor as well as many other um projects but he's on board uh as we know about the contender it helped uh Launched the careers of uh, Sergio Mora, Isha Smith, uh, among others. Uh, I like the show, and, I'm, and the, the big turning point here, though the big uh, takeaway from this is that it's going to be on Epics, which is kind of like a premium network like HBO and Showtime. Less censorship, so more cursing and more graphic stuff and just what boxing really is, to be honest with you. ESPN, owned by Disney, had to kind of curtail that so we can see more uh, action-packed Uh, stuff here from the Contender Series coming back to Epic, Epic, so congrats to them. This just came across the wire today is Amir Khan Uh, we know that he signed with Matchroom Boxing with Eddie Hearn on a three fight deal his first fight will be April 21st against Phil Legreco the culinary fighter, Phil Legreco uh, you know it's a stay busy fight which is something that we kind of expected from Amir Khan he hasn't fought since the Canelo fight where he got brutally knocked out I'm a big fan of Amir Khan. So if he, he takes a tune-up fight, and if this gives us Amir Khan versus Kell Brook in late 2018, if, if everything is trending towards that, then I'll take a fight with Phil Greco. I'll watch it because I watch all of Amir Khan's fights because I, you guys never in a bad fight. But uh, Amir Khan, Phil Ogreco, April 21st. And our final piece here from In Case You Missed It, Oscar De La Hoya. To bob Arum, uh call me he says about uh, making lomachenko jorge linares we saw jorge, jorge linares in uh in the ring this past saturday on hbo when he had a uh an average performance he didn't look outstanding uh i know a lot of people were on twitter and a lot of people in the industry were like you know linares is no way he beats lomachenko no way he beats uh mikey garcia you might as well just forget about it i don't think that's the case because uh, Linares showed some some brilliance in there in pockets. I mean, he had a lot of great combinations when he when he wanted to throw him. Uh, he had a game guy in front of him in, in Hesta. He you know he got him. He got the win. He got the win. And so uh, that's just interesting to see Oscar De La Hoya try to do business with Bob Aram. I think it would be a great thing for boxing in 2018 if all these all these, all these promoters can start working with each other. And uh, we just talked to Dan Rayfield from ESPN. He thinks the most likely scenario for Jorge Linares' next bout would be uh, against Lomachenko. Lomachenko moving up to 135 to try to get those titles uh, from Linares. So hopefully uh, when, when Oscar De La Hoya dials up Bob Arum's number, his old promoter, uh, Bob Arum listens. Because uh, let's be honest, I mean, there isn't a huge talent pool for Lomachenko. There isn't a t- top rank, kind of isolated themselves there the ESPN deal, so why not do a little um, business with the SPN who also has a deal with Golden Boy so they have a, a natural network to put the fight on so do the right thing Bob del hoya make the, uh, this fight between Lomachenko and linares keep this trend going 2018 of all these great fights uh, that's been in case you missed it folks uh, you know you can always keep track of everything that goes on in the world of boxing by following us on all social media at Compubox thank you. Our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live put the boxing world on notice at the 2016 Olympic Games. Since then, uh, he's made his pro debut at, at Madison Square Garden, accompanied to the ring by none other than Conor McGregor. He's also won all five of his professional fights, outlanding his opponents 406 to 105. He's the Irish sensation. Mick Conlon joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. Mick, are you familiar? Were you aware? I know you've been dominating your opponents early on in your career. 406 to 105. That's pretty damn impressive, man.
0: No, I think it could be better. <laughs> but no, I, I wasn't aware, but I think it could be better. I'll update the stop better.
1: I mean, that's what we do here at CompUbox. We put the numbers together, and it's, we'll be surprised by how many fighters aren't aware of, of their, their punch stats. But 4 to 1 uh, is pretty good. And uh, since you turned pro, it's been almost a year. Uh, since you've turned pro uh, on uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, last year, you yep. were accompanied into the ring like Mac- by McGregor, as we said at Madison Square Garden. A lot has happened in the last year. Uh, talk a little to us about your career and uh, over the last year and uh, everything that's happened to you since then.
0: Yeah, it's been a fantastic year. Um, we had the debut in, in the Garden last St. Last Patrick's Day as the main event, and you know we sold it out first first time. So. You know, I was I was really happy. Um, that was a great one, and then we went moved on another main event at Chicago. It didn't sell just thing, but we had a good crowd, and you know, we got the win. And and then we moved on to a, a co-main cool event for Manny Pacquiao in Australia, which you know Pacquiao was has been one of my idols since I was a boy. So to actually fight on team card and be a co-main cool event to to, to to him it was was special. Really. And then we we finished off the year with uh, a spectacular knockout in Arizona on the on their card. Well, the we co came to, more or less the co-main event again. The two were hitting fights in uh, Valdez versus Cervana and uh, Zero versus Hart, and then co made event again <laughs> again for Lomachenko Rico. So it was a uh, it's been a hell of a year, a, a very busy year, a very uh, big year in the spotlight, and you know. Uh, this year promises to be much bigger, and I can't wait for it.
1: How many how many fights do you want to have in two
0: thousand eighteen? I would mind five again, five or six. You know, I I'm I'm easy. I, I don't want to fight less than five times. Is that's for sure anyway. Uh, I'll I'll fight as much as top rank want want me to fight, but no less than five.
1: I mean, when you put it when in your own words, and you've literally traveled all over the world in the course of a year, and obviously you're home. Is in Ireland, but your second home is uh, New York City, and you're going to be fighting once again on uh, on March uh, 17th, St. Patrick's Day, Madison Square Garden. Uh, How familiar are you now with New York City? Uh, Do you know the streets? Do you think you can get on the subway by yourself? How how are you liking uh, your time here in New York City?
0: Listen, New York feels like it just feels like I'm back back home in Ireland. There's that much people I know, and you know, it's I feel it's a very friendly city. Even even the people who don't know, I feel they friendly people. We say it's a bit too hectic, but you know, for me, I, there's a certain kind of vibe New York brings and atmosphere it brings for me. And every time I go there, I, I honestly feel like I'm at home. And I do believe now I've made the garden maybe my second home. And uh, and I wanna I wanna have big big nights there. And you know, it, it is a place where I could probably see myself living in, in ten years' time. It's. I just enjoy being in New York. I enjoy the people, and, you know, obviously, the boxing is always a plus.
1: Where do you think you'd want to live in New York? And there's many great neighborhoods. you got the Lower East Side, you got Midtown, which is a little more crazy. I can see you maybe settling into maybe the West Village. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, possibly, possibly. I would have to be surrounded by a lot of my... Uh my country man that's that's the main thing for me i like to be surrendered by my own people Well, any
1: block you go you know, in the I city know. you'll find an irish person <laughs> yeah
0: i know and a pub I too know. so you know <laughs> that's it you know you're always guaranteed even even when the snow is up to your up to your hip and and the weather is, is horrendous there's always going to be an irish pub with a fire on somewhere
2: yeah, of course. Ours is
1: Jack Doyle's on 35th and Seventh. It's a great, great place to watch the fights and stuff. But uh, you made some news recently. Mm-hmm. You switched trainers. Uh, you're now with yep. Adam Booth, and uh, from everything I've read, it was more of a of a uh, being closer to family. And uh, talk a little bit about your your new yeah. partnership with uh, your new trainer and Adam Booth. Yeah,
0: listen, you know my my fiance. We are expecting her to, another another baby, and. You know, I feel that for us, uh, as a family unit we need to be closer to home. Uh, to kinda of have that support system so our independence you know, when I'm in training camp, it's very hard for me to be being a full time dad and, and, you know, managing just one child with my family, even though she does all the work uh <laughs> and she's fantastic. But it's 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 still hard and you know, for have have two there and especially a newborn, you know, it would be a lot of a lot of pressure on both of us being the whole way across the world in L.A., you know, 8-hour time difference, 11-hour flight, it's it's a long way from home. So, you know, I feel that for us to be closer to home is the smartest thing, and, you know, uh, that was the reason for the decision to change. So I decided to come back to Northern of Ireland, uh, and, you know, I'll base myself here now in London with uh, Adam Booth, and I've always kind of considered Adam as maybe... The best coach, if not one of one, one of the best coaches in in the UK and the world, uh, I think his his record stands for himself, and you know he's a very smart man, very tactical man. And I feel th- I his coaching stage suits my boxing stage, so you know, I, I believe that was one of the main reasons I came to. No, it's
1: not, it was nothing personal between you and Manny Robles. I know you guys had a great uh, no. working relationship, and I know that a lot of fighters are using Manny Robles, and he's very well regarded uh it's yeah. nothing personal there between you and manny
0: no no personal listen me Manny, i i text him i let him know the reasons that he even told me he says, listen michael family comes first and you got to do what's best for you and your family and you know if that's the decision you need to make I, i'm happy for you and i support you the, uh, the whole time i'll always be here for you my door's always open and you're always welcome back and anytime you need any advice or any help just pick up the phone and ask. I, I, I'm always here, and, you know, i, I got to thank money for that, and i got to thank money for everything go done for me. And, and all the guys in all the all the all the fighters and the, and the other coaches, Marcos and, and Edgar, you know, they them guys made me feel at home as, as much as they possibly could when I was in L.A., and, you know, they, they kind of helped, helped build me for my first year as a professional. They gave me a great apprenticeship, and, you know, I, I'm very grateful for that
1: yeah you, you can family family's first i mean everyone respects that and you, you you can't deny that so we uh you certainly understand making the switch at this point uh in your career but i want to talk to you about the olympic experience uh 2012 yep. you took home a bronze 2016 uh you know you you got back in the ring you didn't get the the result that you wanted and we actually put uh crunched the numbers and we we did that fight the, the second and third round you threw 125 punches in each round you, did you know that you outlanded your opponent 71 to 49 over the final two rounds but somehow you didn't get the decision i know you don't want to like look back too much i know you yeah. don't want to i know the fighters don't like to look back but you know the Olympic experience was so important to you and it put you on the map and it, it, yeah. it uh it made you a household name and obviously in ireland and here in the states talk a little bit about that experience and and what it meant to represent your country in the olympics
0: yeah you know what i actually see the numbers he's done for that fight you know i was <laughs> i was I when i watched the back i was so surprised even when i was looking at the numbers because i thought the first round i was i won so easy but it seemed the 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 punch stats didn't agree but you know other than that i i knew i kind of annihilated him in the next two rounds. And, yeah. You know, it was it was what it was. I, we kind of knew before. Well, the team knew before. I wasn't told though that they they knew before that I was going to lose, and it was it was probably a bit of, very hard for them to go to the the arena. And and you know, I know I spoke to my my fiance, my mom, and my brother and stuff, and they said it was like going to a funeral before the fight. They 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 thought some it was like someone had died when they were walking through the arena. They were just expecting the worst. and... You know, after the first round, they weren't believing it, and then once they seen the first, the uh, the result, the scores after the first round, they knew that you know they, didn't, they know, it was it was already the decision was already made, and you know it was it's horrible. It was a horrible feeling when I was there, but when I look back now, I feel it's probably the best thing I ever done.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you turned it into a positive. I mean, you after the after the bout, we all saw the the, uh, the video. We all saw the footage of you flipping off the judges. You did something that a lot of fighters really want to do to the judges. And uh, I know yeah. you, you, you see have pictures with Bob Arum, and it's kind of come your trademark here. How many people on the streets stop you, and when they take a picture of you, throw up the middle finger? Is that just bizarre at this point, or is it something that you now like come to love?
0: It's it's nice something that came to love. It, it came, at one stage, as I was turning pro, I was saying to myself, "Okay, I will start to try to slide away from this and put that to the back and you know forget the middle finger shit." But you know the fans love it; they loved it, so there was no way I could get away from it. And every for the first for the first uh, three, three four months anyway, when I was living in LA, there was guys consistently coming to the gym and just getting selfies with me taking the picture with a finger <laughs> up and you know it has became my trademark and you know i'm just going to embrace
1: it man yeah i mean it's boxing you got to promote yourself and and you turn the yeah. negative like you said you turn a negative into a positive and you put it behind you and you're dominating now in the professional ranks and uh we saw the picture of you and bob up the middle finger your promoter is known for a lot of things and uh one of the things he's known for is letting fights uh marinate and uh there's no bigger marination. I don't know if that's even a word, but we're going to go with it. There's no bigger marination in the sport between two young fighters, you and Shakur Stevenson. And I saw, yep. I was at Mendez Boxing Gym for the last Top Rank um, Media Day, and uh, you guys are very friendly. I mean, there's a lot. I see a mutual respect. I don't know if you guys are, are close friends, but you certainly are friendly with each other. But are there times when you kind of size up Shakur? Because that could be a fight uh, Top Rank can put together in the in the future
0: yeah definitely always you know you got to look at your your future rivals and Shakura's is definitely one of those for me you know he he's in he's he's actually a nice kid and sometimes when he's doing interviews and shit and people are asking about me he he'll talk some shit but <laughs> when, when, we're, when when we're when we're when we're face to face he's a different person you know he's he's not the same a guy who's talking shit he's he's very nice and very pleasant and you know he doesn't talk no shit in my face or try to try to Put put me down or anything, but you know, once 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 we're together, I feel my maturity you kind know, of
1: yeah. He's he young.
0: Over a bit, and uh, he's young. You know, I I understand that. I understand that. You know, he'll say shit in the media, and, and things will be twisted in the media. But he's young, and and it'll take time. If this can mar. This this will marinate without any bullshit, any shit talk. It doesn't need to be there. We're two great prospects, and you know, we're on a potential clash in the, in the future, and you know, I don't I, I don't feel I need to talk to any shit about this. I feel it's just gonna be a natural progress, our progression, and you know, once once we do match, I do believe I'll, I I will beat the kid, and you know, move on to bigger and better things
1: that's great i love it uh some who are some of the other fighters that i know you're in this early stage of your career but you've kind of you know you had an extensive amateur career you're ready to go full bore here in 2018 who are some of the bigger names that you look forward to in your division and and uh, who are you kind of like circling sort of say here in your young career um
0: you know I, i i like the looks of like like Santa Cruz and Abner and stuff. I feel like those those guys are styles I would love to face, uh, and I would be confident of of you know. And and then I've got people who way down the lane. Now I, I would love to face, you know. A, 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 I need a lot more, maybe uh professional. Uh, Tests uh, and maturity in, in the professional boxing game, but you know, hopefully in the future, I would love to face the likes of Lomachenko and uh, and you know other great fighters because I do believe they are the greatest at the minute, pound for pound number ones. And you know, if you really want to be considered a great in boxing, I feel you got to beat those type of guys. And you know, definitely down the lane, they're their opponents. I would like to face, and I believe you know that can happen.
1: All right, yeah. what do you see yourself uh, one year from now?
0: I would see myself in a in a position for a world title, or else in a world title 11-year fight. So uh, I do believe uh, within within the next year I'll be there thereabouts for a world title. All
1: right. Yeah. I also saw that Top Rank uh, tweeted something. Now they tweeted your your Spotify playlist, and I was pleasantly surprised, yeah. man. I mean, you have I was expecting some more new school stuff. You got Rolling Stones. You got Jimi Hendrix. Threw some DMX in yeah. there for good measure. You're kind of an old soul, yeah. is that is that accurate?
0: Listen, I I don't like all this you know mumble rap and all that shit. That's that's not for me. I, I like some some stuff what has meaning to it and and some stuff that kind of gets you g'd But I don't, I don't need to listen to any bang 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 shit. I just not need to listen to you know. I, I like a bit of DMX in there obviously, but you know I love. I love like the Rolling Stone, uh, the Rolling Stone, the Jimi Hendrix and stuff. That that kind of piercing sound in your ears, which you'll never forget once you listen to it. So, you know, that's that that is the kind of music I like. I like I like some some of that, and and some I actually like some when I'm in the change room. I like some uh, Motown music and everything. You know, okay. I like a mixture of a lot, a lot of different types of music.
1: What's the rap scene in in Ireland, if there is one? um none
0: <laughs> i don't think there is one
1: so that's why you go with dmx you, you can't go wrong with dmx
0: no you can't you can't go wrong with dmx no way
1: so do you usually you come into the to the uh, the ireland the the theme music or do you think you're going to switch it up here uh, in terms of uh, what you're going to walk out to
0: i'm with st patrick's day so i gotta i gotta be something something irish again you know i believe that i'm I, because i am irish you know i need to represent my country and what a better way the the bang an an out which belongs to the country or belongs to the the people from the country and you know i i love i love a bit of rebel music and i love a bit of uh irish country music and this is this is the stuff that, the folk, song, the the folks on the stuff which kinda of can be G'd up for a fact, you know, once you're hearing about all the, the past histories of what's happened in in the country and, you know, the struggle which there was back in the day. That that stuff kinda of shows the strength of your people and you know, I feel that like when I, when I listen to that I kinda of carry that kind of passion and that that hate when I go to the ring, you know, my people have done this and done that, and you know, I'll go and represent them in this type of way.
1: Yeah, you have the whole country behind you every time you walk into the ring, and uh, the first time you walk into the ring as a professional, you were right now, shoulder to shoulder with Conor McGregor. Have you spoke to to Conor yeah. lately? And uh, what can we expect from him? You know, your you guys are buddies. you have any insights? Yeah, well,
0: I haven't spoke to him in a, in a good way now, and you know, I, I know that he's he's talking about coming back, but I haven't spoke to him, so I don't really know. But if I if I was him, I would just hang them up. That would be me working over, over $140 million in the bank. What's the point? <laughs> what is the point?
1: Wow. I mean, I, I, I've always wondered what – I mean, I thought the same thing that you just said. Like, he takes this fight with Mayweather and he makes, you know, $100 million. Hundred fifty million. He's not going to have the same motivation. So t- I want to hear it from no. a fighter like yourself. You're hungry. You know, you're you're not making huge paydays, yeah. but you're you're living you're living very well. But you're not making huge paydays. Yeah. And it, I just want to see is the motivation still there when you have a hundred million in in the bank.
0: Well, to be honest, if if you're Floyd Mayweather, you you may have it maybe because you want to be that billion dollar mom. But you know, if, uh, I'll be honest right now. If if someone up and handed me one hundred forty million, says you can have this $140 million and you don't have to box again, or you can have this $140 million and you can go and box again if you would like, I would say, would the fuck would I want to go and box again? Exactly. <laughs> 100%, I don't want to box again, no way. I know. I do, this. I do this to earn money for my family and secure my family. Once I have done that, and I have a good life for my family after boxing. I- I'm happy. That's-, that's the thing. I do want to be great and I do have love for the sport, but at the end of the day... Brains are not built for being punched, and you know, I want to get out with my health intact. And if someone came and gave me that money that I'm secure forever, I'm done.
1: And that's what makes Floyd Mayweather, in my opinion, so impressive. I mean, obviously, he's got the 50 0 record, but he was making some insane paydays, and he still had the motivation, and he still had the, the drive to be to, to, to be great. I mean, it was just incredible.
0: Yeah. yeah, it comes down to money too, though, but, but doesn't it? Because could you say he would do it with for 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 less money than what he's doing it for? Oh, no, no. He, he wouldn't do it unless he was making that type of money. And, you know, if people are looking at the McGregor one and saying, yeah, well, he had the, the motivation to do it, he's looking at this McGregor one and saying, well, this guy's a lot easier than Canelo. This guy's a lot easier than, than Oscar de la Hoya. So I'm going to go in there and, you know, I'm going to go in there and take that money and and, and rob the bank, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, when you have that, when you have that first taste of thirty million for a fight, you're going to want to keep it going. You're absolutely right. And he does spend wow. a lot of money as well to all those bets and whatnot. But uh, Mick, I appreciate you coming on with us, Inside Boxing Live. We're looking forward to your next fight, uh, March seventeenth at the Garden with all your countrymen in there. And who knows? Maybe afterwards we can yep. get a we can get a pint together.
0: One hundred percent, definitely, definitely. But I'll keep it to. It.
1: All right, man. Thank you very much, Mick Connolly. Appreciate it. Speak to you soon. fight. There he is. The Irish sensation Mick Conlon, uh, you gotta love him. You gotta love the 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 truth that he speaks with, and he's not afraid to hold back. Uh, you know, we talked about his uh, Olympic career, and he had a very good Olympic career. Two thousand twelve, won a bronze medal. Two thousand sixteen didn't exactly work out for him, but you know, he turned that negative into a positive. You know, he he said going into the fight, he almost knew he was going to lose with the judges. And I uh, obviously he had a beef with the judges. Flipped them all off. I'm not going to do two thumbs up here in the boxing line. Flipped them all off, and uh, that's become his calling card. And you know, he's working his way up the ranks. Five and zero with four KOs. Uh, expect a lot of great things out of Mick Conlon. And uh, who knows? Maybe a, a super fight down the road with Shakur Stevenson. It was very interesting to hear because I was at the Mendez Boxing Gym uh, for the top rank uh, media card, for, uh, the media workout for Lomachenko and uh, rigging and they were like look like they're best friends you know they get in the ring they're all smiles you know they're messing around but you know he, he made it clear that you know Shakur Stevenson he talks some shit here and there he talks it which is, which is very, pretty refreshing to hear I still you have to have that edge in boxing so special thanks to uh, MTK Global uh, for setting up this interview and uh, Mick Conlon coming and joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. Twitter is alive and well, my friends. The boxing Twitter is certainly never disappoints from all the crazy fans out there throwing out the memes and uh, their takes on the sport to the fighters who uh, get on there and uh, either are calling out other fighters or they're putting to rest a lot of rumors. So here at Inside Boxing Live, we rounded up all the week's best tweets for this week's Twitter hitters. We'll start with uh, Terrence Crawford, who uh, tweeted at the WBA... And he said, why have I not received my WBA Super Bowl? Uh, y'all wanted my money. I'm going to paraphrase here because he had a lot of misspellings here. Y- y'all wanted my money after my fight. Now I can't get what's mine, says Terrence Crawford. And, of course, the WBA, which comes under much scrutiny all the time for their ridiculous uh, sanctioning fees and, and their super belts and this, that, and the other. They hop on board. They responded to Terrence Crawford and said, Hey, champ, uh, we will send your query to the administrative staff. Please excuse the inconvenience. They didn't they couldn't say, you know, it's in the mail or we'll get right on that. They ha- he has to wait. Terrence Crawford, the 140-pound king, or was the, one, the WBA 140-pound uh, champion, has to wait to get his belt because the WBA has to send it through a uh, the uh, query. So... I don't know what's going on with that. Hopefully Crawford gets his 140-pound belt for his mantle because he's quickly moving to 147, and uh, he'll be taking Jeff Horns, uh very shortly. Our next tweet comes all the way from over the, the pond. Carl Frampton, who is a phenomenal follow on Twitter, says he's trying to stop his 3-year-old son from making the dog lick his bare arse is a daily struggle. <laughs> so Carl Frampton is, uh, I guess, Carl Frampton's son, little Carl Frampton Jr., provokes the Frampton household dog to lick its own behind. And every day, Carl Frampton has to stop the kid from doing it. It's just, you know, you think these fighters have these, these luxurious lifestyle, you know, like Floyd Mayweather hopping in a different Rolls Royce every day, going to event after event. It's not really like that. You know, Carl Frampton, world-renowned champion, he has to wake up in the morning and stop. His son for making their dog his dog lick its own ass. <laughs> these are these are things that happen. Uh, moving forward on uh, with our Twitter hitters, the super manager uh, Igis Kilmas. He's responding here. Yes, this, this is a little patchwork here. Dan Raphael tweeted originally probably wouldn't make close to eight, f- eight figures, and that was uh, in reference to a Lomachenko Pacquiao fight. Uh, he was probably responding to a fan that said, why wouldn't Lomachenko take a fight with Pat you make eight figures? Which Dan p- said, no, you're probably not going to make eight figures. And then, you know, Igis e- drops on board, and he's the uh, manager of Lomachenko. And he says, sometimes it can't uh, be all about eight or seven figures. Sometimes you have to respect legends and others. When you have your goals to reach, it can't be just about the money. So that kind of gives you the, the the mindset or of uh, what's going on with, with Team Lomachenko in terms of this... Uh, supposed fight with Pacquiao. Uh money doesn't mean everything to Lomachenko. It means a lot to some fighters, but not to Lomachenko. They have their goals in mind. They want to uh you know get to 135, maybe clear out that division, eventually move to 140, clear out that division. You know, a fight with Manny Pacquiao, although it might bring a lot of money, not maybe eight figures that Dan Raphael speaks about. You know, it's not all about the money. You have to respect uh legends for who they are and also was throwing a little shade. At Pacquiao. It's, it's like almost like you know we're not going to take that fight and just destroy Manny Pacquiao like many people think. We have to respect our elders, respect our legends. So it was a calculated move by Igas, uh, one of the uh, up-and-coming, not up-and-coming, but uh, one of the better uh, managers of these Ukrainian stars. Into the heavyweights. Twitter header moves into the heavyweights, or what we think are the heavyweights with Andre Ward, who's been flirting with his weight and talking about his weight a lot. On Twitter. A lot on Instagram. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He posts a lot of pictures of him standing on scales. And the scales say 200 pounds. And he said uh, that he weighed in last night at 199. All uh, with the uh, the muscle emoji. All muscle. I promise. I've been working. And that kind of, like, gets the fuel going. Andre Ward knows exactly what he's doing here. Gets the, the ball rolling here. Gets the rumors going on whether... Andre Ward is going to come back eventually in the heavyweight division and take on some of the killers in the heavyweight division. Uh, I haven't got confirmation from Andre Ward that he wants to, he wants to do that. they got to get him here on Inside Boxing Live, but it, it's something that keeps his name in the headlines. I don't think that we, we've we seen the last of Andre Ward in a ring. Whether he comes back at heavyweight, comes back at light heavyweight, once that whole situation gets cleared out between uh, all these guys are doing, uh, Bival, Sullivan Barrera... Uh, Sergey Kovalev, uh, I do think we're going to see Andre Ward again, and uh, maybe in the heavyweight division because he's certainly flirting with it on uh, on social media. We stick with the heavyweights here on Twitter hitters. Lennox Lewis weighing in, and uh, this was a story that uh, that that was uh, circulating late late in the last week as Deontay Wilder had a lot of microphones in front of him at the Showtime up front. And Deontay Wilder, you put a microphone and a camera in front of him, you wind him up, he'll say anything. And uh, apparently, he said, uh, Deontay Wilde, that that he he would beat a prime Mike Tyson. And this irked a lot of people. This irked a lot of the boxing purists. It irked a lot of fans. Because you don't go after Mike Tyson. That's one thing you don't do. uh, Boxing fans universally loved. Even by Lennox Lewis, a guy that he uh, squared off with and had a very tumultuous... Uh, working relationship with, but uh, Lennox Lewis chimes in and says, I just heard Bronze Bomber, that's Deontay Wilder, say he would destroy a young Mike Tyson. My thoughts are that it's easy to talk until you have actually get in the ring. I like Wilder. He's never been in there with someone that ferocious who truly wants to break ribs with every punch. I don't see it. He then responded, he then went on to say, I love Bronze Bomber's confidence. You need that to sit atop the heavyweight division. He's hungry. He shows up. Probably the best shape in division, but there's levels to this, and he's still adding to his arsenal. And I love Lennox Lewis. I love when Lennox Lewis gets on Twitter to to kind of set the bar, set it straight. He's like the, the spokesman of the heavyweight division, retiring on top of all his wits about him, very eloquent. He takes it to Twitter. You know, there are levels to this game. I understand what he's saying here, Deontay Wilder. He wants to go out and say, I'm the best. I can beat Mike Tyson. That's the mindset that Deontay Wilder has right now, he's not going to get on the microphone and say, you know what, I don't know, Mike Tyson would probably knock me out. That's not going to, you know, that's not going to the right headlines that you want. So on one end, I understand what Deontay Wilder is saying, but on the others, you know, you know, why say it? Just, duck, you know, duck the question. Just figure out a way to answer it without answering it. But uh, always great to hear from from Lennox Lewis, especially when it comes to the heavyweights. Because that division is on fire right now, we're gonna see many more tweets, many more big fights uh, from the heavyweights. Jesse Vargas, uh, if you forgot about him, Jesse Vargas is uh, on Twitter at jvargasboxing, and uh, he's been rumored to be fighting Keith Thurman uh, in his get-back fight, as Keith uh, stated it himself. And this was a subtweet. If you don't know what a subtweet is, that's when you tweet someone without maybe adding them or using their name. Uh, it's a subliminal tweet. Jesse Vargas says, how could you call yourself a champion and try to pick the easiest fights around? If that's your position, just let the titles go. Hashtag boxing, hashtag man up. Pretty clear what Jesse Vargas was talking about here. He's talking about Keith Thurman. Because there's a rumor that Keith Thurman's fight in May at the Barclays Center could be potentially against Jesse Vargas. I hope it's against Jesse Vargas, because I think that's that's a pretty good step back fight. Pretty good comeback fight. Jesse Vargas has fought Manny Pacquiao has fought uh, some uh, pretty good contenders at 147 i don't think it's going to be jesse vargas that's a tweet there coming from jesse vargas of someone frustrated who hasn't who's heard the rumors but hasn't heard from the officials hasn't heard from the important people you know putting these fights together hasn't heard from uh you know the promoters that be when al Heyman or lu or whoever, whoever's handling uh, keith thurman's career right now jesse vargas clearly frustrated trying to chirp At Keith Thurman. But just get in line. Because right now Keith Thurman is facing a barrage. Whether it's Errol Spence fans calling for the fight. Whether it's uh, Sean Porter. And and him getting into another fight there. Uh, Keith Thurman is getting it from all angles. But that's what happens when you're on top. Keith Thurman likes to say all the time. That I'm the hunted now. you know, And I'm on top. So uh, he's going to have to hear criticism from everybody. Including uh, potential fighters. And finally here. On Twitter hitters. I know this isn't a tweet. But it's social media related. It's close enough. And I had to share it with you folks that are watching here on uh, Pluto TV. But if you're listening on our podcast, I will explain it to you. It is uh, an IG story, of course. And it's Errol Spence. It's a picture of Errol Spence at the Showtime event. And he's glaring at at, uh, Keith Thurman, who has his back to him. And he's got this look on his face like, I want to take you out right now. And he put a caption on there about a sneak... What does that even say? About the sneak, brah. They pulled me back. Bowling emoji. Crying face. So basically, if it it's a funny picture that someone posted. I think it was seconds out. Posted on, on social media. Keith Thurman ran with it. I, I mean, uh, Errol Spence ran with it. It's like a meme. He, and he's calling out Keith Thurman. He's looking at him. He wants a piece of him. I mean, you got to love it. Errol Spence. I think we're seeing a little more of Errol Spence. We're seeing more of his personality personality come out a little bit. Uh, he's got the skills. That's 100% sure. He's just got to work on becoming a little more marketable, getting out there. And there's no way to become more marketable. And I said this on Twitter. That Errol Spence could follow the Gennady Golovkin steps to becoming popular in the U.S. You don't have to be a clown on social media. You don't have to be an Adrian Broner in your face. You don't have to do wear flashy clothes and all that. You can just call out opponents. You can knock them out. And you could be a gentleman. And that's what ganani golovkin did on his rise and he became super popular and he resonated with fans all over the place i think that errol spence uh is on the same path there it is twitter hitters folks if you have a funny tweet if you see a tweet between a fighter and you want us to feature it on the show here always tweet us at CompuBox using the hashtag twitter hitters we'll try to get it featured here on inside boxing live All right, it's time to end the show like we end every show here on Inside Boxing Live. That's with a positive note, it's time for the good hook of the week. And this week it goes to Tyson Fury, who recently spent time with an autistic child at one of his appearances, the young boy, Oliver Fry, age 7, diagnosed with autism as a young boy. And uh, according to uh, Oliver Fry's dad, Daniel Fry, he immediately ran up to the champ or let's call him the champ, we immediately ran up to Tyson Fury and bombarded him with questions. And Tyson Fury wasn't phased at all, immediately picked up the boy, spent about 10 to 15 minutes with him answering all his questions, posing for uh, pictures, and just you know being a down-to-earth guy that we've, uh, we've heard that Tyson Fury is. And uh, it's a great thing here from Tyson Fury, spending some time with an autistic child and uh, brightening, brightening up his day. If you read some of the the quotes here from the dad, the dad says the father of the young child with autism said he was like a changed boy. After the former champion, uh, Fury sat and chatted him with about uh, t- for about 20 minutes. Uh, the dad explained to Tyson that he has autism, hence the bombardment of uh, questions, which didn't phase Tyson at all. And he picked both boys up and started talking about him. And I figured I captured the moment. Uh, the picture was then posted on the IrishTimes.com and a, and a bunch of other uh, websites. And uh, the dad described Fury as a complete gentleman. All I can say is the moment they have is special for... And for the last two days, he's been telling his friends about it and he's been and that he's famous and he's shown people all over Twitter. And that's the beauty of uh, boxing. It's the beauty of being a heavyweight champion or a former heavyweight champion. You're not just a champion in the ring. You're a champion outside of the ring and you do great things like this. So hats off uh, to Tyson Fury. I know we get on him a lot here on Inside Boxing Live for his tweets. And uh, we actually sparred him, uh, spared him in uh, Twitter hitters this week uh, from some of his tweets. But good for him uh, for spending time with this, with, with this child. It just shows you. You spend a little time with a kid and you show them some attention, it changes uh, their whole outlook on life but that's it for episode number 10 of inside boxing live can't believe you made it here 10 episodes special thanks to uh, ESPN's Dan Raphael a special thanks to Mick Conlon calling in all the way from Ireland and his uh, management team at MTK Global they do a wonderful job uh, booking guests for us here on inside boxing live special thanks to our uh, super producer uh, Nick Canobio behind the glass and of course our executive the one and only the kahuna uh, Bob Canobio uh, don't forget to check out this podcast if you're not watching here on Pluto TV. Check out our podcast at ogpodcastnetwork.com. Also on social media at OG Podcast. You can also download our uh, podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, what do you got? Spotify. Anywhere you get uh, your podcast, don't forget to download Inside Boxing Live, and you have to rate and review, leave us a nice review, make us feel good, make us feel validated so we can keep these beautiful lights on and keep delivering you the best uh, news, notes, and interviews in the game. Signing off, we'll see you soon here on Inside Boxing Live. Take care, everybody.